important thing was that people in small groups, which is the kitchen table conversations, felt confident and happy to talk about these things. Because in bigger groups, in town halls, school places, they don't have the confidence to put their hand up. But the bigger thing is being listened to, having a voice. Just getting somebody who will listen and at least acknowledge our concern. Welcome to this NoFibs podcast. I'm Wayne Jansen and your host for this episode. During the lead into this next federal election, I've been fascinated by one of the more low-key voices groups, Voices of Wanon. Their aim was to create a process for participation in politics and democracy that the community would feel comfortable engaging in and at the end create a report and discuss it with their local member of parliament. On completing their report, titled What Wanon Wants, the group organised a meeting with their local member, Dan Tan, which he cancelled at the last minute and they were unable to arrange another meeting. It was at that point the group decided to look for a candidate. Earlier this month, they announced former Triple J Breakfast host Alex Dyson as their independent community candidate for Wannan. Wannan is a federation seat located in southwest Victoria. A large rural electorate, it was held for many years by former Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser. Omicron recently halted their campaign launch, which will now take place early next month. But a Meet the Candidate event planned for the next day went ahead at Fletcher Jones Gardens in Warrnambool. I travelled down to talk to the locals and their new candidate, Alex Dyson. Combination of things, but yeah, eagerness for change. I've, I'm a, we're all locals and we've been here for most of our lives, I certainly have been. And um, it's just been such a safe Liberal seat with little or no change. Um, that we really do need to be, become at least marginal. So we've got a little bit of a voice. So that's at least the aim, to make it marginal. That'd be a good starting point. <laughs> if we could then, um, if, it, if we could get an independent in, that'd be even better because then you could have some real change in the region. I've been just following the, the Voices of Wannan uh, campaign. I sort of signed up and I'm interested in getting an independent candidate that's actually going to represent the sorts of things that I feel are important for this electorate. What and are I think, I think oh, well, refugees would be one of the first, the um, federal position on refugees would be one of the things, and climate change and um, health, environment, just caring for people. Have you ever been involved in any? No, no. Are you never a, done anything like that before at all. Are you a member of the Voices? The Voices, yes. yes. I've just joined up to that. Joined. Voices of, yeah, yeah, joined, yeah. but yeah. haven't done anything about it before. I get the emails and I'm interested. I'm, the, I'm on the steering committee. I joined it later than the um, two people who originated it, but uh, got very involved as soon as I found out that they were happening down here. I was thrilled because we live in such a very conservative area, so it was it was good to try and um, uh, get the, the voices and the opinions and the thoughts from people who are not necessarily always going to put their hand up to talk about these things. Yeah, climate uh, integrity, um, uh, the appalling way in which those people seeking refuge are being treated on our borders and not being allowed in and not being supported or helped. Uh, the social housing uh, crisis. There's so many of these things. They're the five main things that came up again and again and again. And uh, it, we felt that 
this is what needed to be uh, put into the report, obviously, because that's what people were talking about. And then we needed to find someone who was going to help us um, be an independent and represent those uh, opinions and those notions of what people had, had put forward. Okay, so how, how long has the um, Wannan group been running for? Uh, since the end of 2020. Okay, so that's been going for a while. Yeah, over, over, yeah, over a year. Um, and uh, we had Cathy McGowan came down to speak with us and mm -hmm. talk to us about how best to go about sort of forming it, how best to go about uh, informing people uh, and uh, meeting up with them all over the place to see if they would take part in the kitchen table conversations. Uh, roughly how many members have you got? We've roughly got about a hundred members and of course you know we had to deal with COVID yeah. uh, and not being able to get out and meet or go and visit but um, we got a few of those face-to-face -face ones done in between lockdowns and then the rest of the time of course was on Zoom but we were very cognizant of the fact that uh, a lot of older people aren't familiar with the technology that is used to do Zoom so that became an issue and we overcame it as best we could yeah. um, with emails and um, people were able to fill out forms and talk about what their issues were um, that way but okay. of course there's nothing better than meeting face to face with people. Uh, so my main focus is refugee stuff, I've been involved with local and national and regional whatever, refugee groups for lots of years um, and the frustration with rocking up to our federal representative's door and being listened to once maybe and then it's really hard to get a, a voice to be heard. Uh, everything is the, just the closed door and no no response. You're in the voices of, uh, we almost said, didn't I? Then? Voices, <laughs> voices for one. Voices, voices of, of one. No, you are voices of one. We are, yes. Um, are you one of the original men? Yes, yeah, I've been involved since the start. Um, yeah. Is this your first foray into politics? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I haven't been involved in anything like this before and it's, it's all very new to me. Um, and I guess the reason I got involved was because I just felt like our, our area wasn't really been listening to, our, our representative wasn't listening to us. And I, I was hoping that if we got a group together and talked to a whole lot of people that we could then go to our current representative and, and you know, get them to take some, some action on what the, the people really wanted. wanted. Um, so that's, I, I yeah. remember I heard for a while you weren't sure if you were going to run a candidate or not. Uh, never, that was never the intention from the start. The intention was always just to listen to people and collate it all into some kind of report, which we've done, which has been really, really good, um, but really just to get the people's voice heard. That's, you know, the voices name says it all really that we we just wanted to make sure that what people thought was important was actually listened to yeah. by our representatives um so i i certainly didn't think that oh oh we're gonna stand some independent or whatever that that wasn't what the group's um purpose was community independent candidate for Wannan, alex dyson you're running again and you ran in 2019 yes right? and your video <laughs> <laughs> Everyone remembers your video. Mm. What put that idea in your head? Well, it kind of 
played to my strengths a little bit. That campaign was all about sort of shining a light on the importance of politics, trying to engage some young people who may be um, understandably bored and disillusioned by the way politicians talk to people. It's very monotonous. It's deliberately vague. And I really wanted to... um, do something political which would also be engaging it was a way to communicate the message and um, my friends had told me over the years that I was quite a unique dancer and so I thought by communicating or super important messages but in a different way it could be a way for people who would otherwise you know turn on a political ad and immediately mute it or change the channel would be able to uh, see it interact with it and just think a little bit about um, yeah what their policies are and what what their politicians are offering as well and so yeah I was surprised at how successful the the interpretive dance went I got showed on the BBC World News which was uh, quite a kick the yeah oh the Russians were involved <laughs> they didn't mind it I'm not sure if Vladimir Putin's going to be coming out and uh, doing a bit of tap dancing soon but um, he does a few other interesting things horses and uh, a bit of judo, but um, look, I'm, I'm happy to stick in my lane with dancing. But um, yeah, I considered going again, but I thought, yeah, I really wanted to communicate the, um, to people who potentially saw that, potentially entertained by that, but also thought, you know, politics, it is a serious business and there's so many people's lives affected by the people who make these decisions and who vote on these particular issues. And I wanted to really uh, solidify the fact that, you know, I can, I have the ability to not take myself too seriously, but I also really take the issues seriously. And so this time around, I want to yeah. counter so that, how, how that side you, of myself. Because you're known as a comedian, right? Yeah. And you've been on Triple J. I have, so yes. You, like, at some point, you, I mean, you, you obviously can't escape what you've done in the past, but mm. you've got to point people away from... Well, it would it'd be... Um, I, I'm really proud of what we managed to do at Triple J, and, you know, the people who listen every morning would would absolutely know the comedic side of me, but would, would have also heard the uh, some of the important conversations that we had on Triple J. Some of those are talking to young people about the, you know, very inhospitable uh, property market. You know, Triple J listeners are, um, yeah, are predominantly quite young, and there's a lot of people who are understandably upset by the fact that it is super difficult to, um, you know, own what has been widely regarded as the Australian dream. And so we have conversations every week with the hack program which is about current affairs but also no i've stopped i've stopped uh triple j at the end of 2018 after doing another six months on the on the launch program there but also hearing things about myself talking passionately about uh breast cancer and losing my my mum to breast cancer that one of the things i was really proud of about my time at triple j is as well as you know having some silly conversations and coming up with some you know quite wacky ideas was being able to connect to people and one of the um the, the proudest um, memories of, of that time and particularly finishing up on Triple J is um, I, I, I got quite emotional, you know, saying farewell. I spent the majority of my 20s on that radio station and, and talking to, a lot, you know, a lot of people and uh, we got a message when we were leaving saying, boys, uh, this is when myself and Matt O'Kine were leaving, saying, boys, I, I teared up um, at that announcement because I was quite emotional myself on air. Um, in the past, I would have thought that was super lame and been ashamed of it but you guys taught me that it's okay to to show emotion and to cry and I just thought wow because it's very easy to get down on yourself me as a you know a a comedian is that 
these things are quite um, wacky. There's not a lot of substance to them, but it does go to show that you do make these connections with people every day, even via you know giving them a laugh when when you know some other things might be going not the best in their life. So yeah, I was really really proud of, of my time at Triple J. And whilst there is a large comedic element, and I think everyone should laugh and be positive and you know and not fun. take things too seriously, it's also uh, great to be able to have those discussions well, once in a while. Look, definitely. I'm from Indo, right? Yeah. And, and the thing about those campaigns is they are actually fun. Mm. They're fun yeah. campaigns. That's, Absolutely. That's the attractions of them um, and I think one of the reasons so many people are happy to get involved because it's not uh, what's the right word I'm looking for it's not really intense it's not yeah talking to people and connecting them with them on a level is I don't find arduous you know I I like to balance uh, extrovertedness and introvertedness but yeah to me like sitting down with someone and discovering who they are is one of my one of my favorite things so, and um, yeah What's your main platforms? Your main, yeah, the main issues that... To me, yeah, one of um, the reasons I got involved with politics is I was sick of the politics of politics. Um, I, when I ran in 2019, a, a Prime Minister had not lasted a full term the, my entirety of my adult vault, voting life. Australia made a decision and the politicians, instead of focusing on the many issues that are out there, are busy on who's sitting in the in the throne. <laughs> you know, it was a big Game of Thrones moment. So that was something that got me involved in politics. And something else is something I learned at Warnable Primary School, which was... Um, pollution in the air is causing <laughs> sunlight to get trapped in and very gradually heating heating the planet. And you've learned that and you're like, oh, good, they know about it. They'll, they'll start doing something about it. But the... the com- the, the foot dragging um, on that particular issue has been really um, disappointing from a young person's perspective. It's like, because at the time they were talking about, oh, this will be a grandkids problem, we've got to do out for our grandkids. And at the moment, people are feeling it, you know, people are affected by the, the things. I, I think it was the Garneau report in 2007 saying, by 2020, bushfires will be more extreme. And on cue, 2020 yeah. comes around and the bushfires are more intense than we've ever seen. And sure, you could put that down to coincidence, but I think it doesn't make sense to me that we would take that risk and, yeah. uh, and not address this issue when we, we know what the solutions are and it just takes a bit of political will. And I think the recent pandemic showed that once the decision's been made, we can shut down <laughs> everything in order to protect people. And uh, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want it to get to that stage. And that's why making short, smaller tweaks along the way um, could have saved us from the position we're in now, where, of course, it's difficult to start shutting these things down and jumping directly from coal to renewables, um, which is not what not what anyone wants to do <laughs> or has wanted to do. But um, we've only got, yeah our politicians to blame that we haven't been able to take those sensible steps along the way and so yeah listening to the to the experts on climate change is something that I'm super passionate in and um is one of the reasons I, I wanted to run as well as well as the other things being from Warnable. Yeah, yeah well you, I was about to jump you, you grew up here yeah I jumped onto that because stuff. I I guess you know I moved away from Warnable for work ended up living in Sydney for a long time for Triple J but when it came time to run for an election, I feel that I couldn't. I couldn't imagine myself running anywhere else. 
you try and make this particular change. Yeah. You know, you're, I'm, you're currently interviewing me in the Fletcher Jones Gardens where I came as a little kid because my dad worked at Fletcher Jones, and you oh, okay. know, um, until you know Fletcher Jones downside and manufacturing moved offshore. This, this was <laughs> you know, a factory, this it? was a factory. These oh, okay. made. These, you're, we're sitting outside yeah, the no, building the that Jones. manufactured <laughs> the Australian Olympic uniforms in 1956. Cool. So it's, uh, it's a, a really great place. Did, but right? now is is a mostly. Yeah derelict building they've put in some wonderful markets in here which you can go through and take a look at but um i you know having this area and knowing this place you know lawn is which is part of one and now spending my childhood holidays at that beach wonderful beach-sized town with my granddad and my cousins you know little shack there has been wonderful and then driving up north to my um grandparents home in matawa you know passing through all mortlake and ararat and and uh these towns as well i have such an affinity with this um, part of the world that, yeah, one of the big um, campaign messages as well is increasing this um, the connectivity of these places and making it a viable place for um, everyone to live, but also young people to live. Well, I feel I think both. That's that's why I use the word connectivity because. Um, it's been interesting living in Melbourne. I used to catch the train down when I first started university every weekend to play for Russell's Creek. So on the weekends, I catch the train down, play at the Mac Oval, and then train back to Melbourne. And it's it was a punish because the train is so slow. And it's something that if we can um, make these things easier and more accessible for people, they either might not have to move away in the first place, but also if they do, would be able to come back here and visit more often and um, make it a destination where people can do that or live in there, you know, in the country, in agricultural areas, have that connectivity that where, where it's virtual connectivity, you know, um, and you're able to stay in touch with your community where, you know, the drive can be super taxing on the times, particularly on, on some of the roads that are uh, in these particular areas. And they're not always on federal responsibility, but it is something that has been promised for so long and um, doesn't seem to, to start coming through. Google brought me on some back roads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, particularly um, with Google Maps sending you down a few death traps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was actually quicker, but there were mm. holes in the road. So, COVID. Obviously, that's going to be a campaign issue. Yep. It's also going to impact your campaign. Yep. Have you put much thought into where you're headed? When it in, comes to negotiating well, both, my campaign? Well, well negotiating your campaign and also I how think, you would uh, approach it from a policy. Well, I think COVID has just exposed a lot of the problems that were already there but weren't potentially at the top of the agenda, like things like... Um, aged care <laughs> you know the the lack of the workforce the fragility of the workforce and those kind of things suddenly it has become completely apparent that there are issues going on in this thing that is understaffed and is not able to handle these kind of things that are coming up um when it comes to a government which seems to be super reactive rather than proactive when it comes to we because currently as we speak we're almost two years into this pandemic, they've been saying, I remember in lockdown one, so what, April, May in 2020, we're going to have to learn to live with the virus, okay? Somehow in Australia, we managed to push back the living with the virus another 18 to 20 months. 
now that we're living it with us, it's chaos. They had that long to prepare for living with the virus and there's no stock of the supermarket shelves because they didn't plan for when truck drivers stay home sick. They can't get enough tests for people because we're living with the virus. They didn't think, oh, we might need more tests when it comes to this. Those kind of things would be so infuriating as a, uh, as a resident of Australia that, yeah, I, I would... And it should be for every single issue, but particularly a public health issue as serious as this. Yeah. Um, there should be a lot more preparation and planning than what seems to be policy on the fly yeah. for so, something which did surprise them originally. And you can, you know, sure, surprising as a, you know, there were people yeah. saying a pandemic is going to be an issue at some stage, but it, it came out on us and they just seem to have uh, be only reacting to things in a similar way. They only reacted to the bushfires once it happened and once there was a public outcry that there needs to be some leadership. And it was the public that's saying, exactly, the public is saying this, we need leadership, we need you here, and we need help immediately and seeing, suddenly announcing a fund for, for people and then no money comes through. It just seems, man, there's, there's plenty of issues that need to be done, but I think plan, planning and preparation is something that this government has been extremely poor in. Mm. So, planning and preparation, one is a huge electorate. Massive electorate, yep. Electric, yep. Right? yep. Um, and obviously, as we're just saying, COVID's going to impact that. Yep. So, I, I know in Indi, they use, use hubs mm-hmm. around the electorate, and the internet's a big thing, they use mm-hmm. the internet a lot. Have you put much thought into how you're going to you know, say we head yeah. to lockdown again. Yeah, well... It kills campaigning to a large degree. It certainly does. Well, face-to-face, and I mean, in some ways, nothing replaces talking to people face-to-face. Yeah, and that's exactly... That's my... What I like doing the best, I think, is where you make the best connection. You find the common ground with people, and you really find out about them and, and what their needs are and what a government can really do for them. And so, yeah, when it comes to that, um, I think everyone has become a little bit more comfortable with the online meetings. And so that would be, you know, an option when it comes to that. But I am certainly hoping that um, when it comes to extra vaccinations and all those kind of things, we are able to meet outdoors. We can, you know, yeah, hopefully keep keep similar meetings, but get the get the word out there that um, this electorate is, is due for someone who is beholden to them and, and not the, the political party who whose values seem to uh, not align with, with a lot of the people who are there on the ground living their lives and um, overlooked a lot of the time. Mm. Um, so if you just quickly before you go, yep. and I'll let you go because you obviously need to talk to Got people. to keep chatting to some more, um, yeah. um, some so more people. So if you were elected, what would be the first thing you did? I would put together a wonderful team of people to... Um, support and enact a lot of these things that people need done. Um, I am the first to put my hand up when it comes to my weaknesses, and I think I don't think politicians do that enough. Is to show, you know, they try and please everybody, and that veers into platitudes and occasionally goes into lying. And so I would get people who um, are experts in their field, are experts at enacting a lot of these policies, and. Being uh, quite a pragmatic person, I would then try and do things quickly <laughs> yeah. when it comes to these changing things. So my first would be getting a really great team. And, um, yeah, then I'll sit back and I would start listening and learning a lot from people. That would be my, my first step, um, getting to know the colle- colleagues in Canberra, getting to know how things work up there, and then probably, <laughs> probably... Um, telling them how they could do it better from an outsider's perspective. And I think potentially if you're, you are in that, you know, so-called Canberra bubble, you might, you may find it a little bit weird of someone not caring about 
who's in the chair there. It's like we need something done yeah. <laughs> on the ground for people well, to uh, get some actual outcomes. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> a couple of funny Dorothy Dixes, uh, which is pretty infuriating. Oh, man, I remember the Warnable Primary School trip to Canberra where we first went up there and um, watched Parliament live. And I remember thinking at the time, I'll tell you what, if... Um, if our class behaved in the same way as these politicians did in front of the speaker, Mrs Nelson would be uh, very upset with with us um, when it comes to uh, calling out, talk without putting our hand up. You know, it's absolute bedlam up there. So maybe, maybe the jokes will be better, and hopefully it'll be a bit quieter in between in between things. It's a bit of a raucous crowd. Okay. Mm. Well, thanks for talking Thank to Thank you us. very and much for having a chat. Good luck in the campaign. Thank and you hopefully very much. I'll get to talk to you again. I'm sure we'll be around. Again. We'll see each other over the distance. That'll cool. be great. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this Nofibs podcast. Until next time, goodbye.